We have a new group in our church, which is called the Riviera Drama Group. I'm going to ask them if they would come forward and at this time. We're going to, to read the scriptures, but we're going to add a little to it. If you want to follow along, the scriptures themselves are in the Bible, in your pew. The second chapter of John, verses 13 through 22. Um, we're going we're gonna to expound on it a little. We're going we're gonna to add a couple of, of lines of dialogue to what is written in the scripture, and we're going to act it out for you this morning in our own strange and wondrous way. Got to make sure all my... Okay. I told you, strange and wondrous way. Anyway, the Passover of the Jewish people was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers at their tables. How how much for a dove? Two shekels. Two shekels? There are only one at the marketplace. You're not in the marketplace now. I need to exchange these drachmas for shekels. Each shekel costs three drachmas. In the marketplace, it's two drachmas per shekel. That's three. Take it or leave it, lady. I I have no choice. They're ripping us off. Tell me about it. But making a whip of cords, Jesus drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. What are you doing? Give away my goods. Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a marketplace. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. for my sacrifice. You can't do that. Is he doing us a favor? What a mess. Jesus told those who were selling the doves, destroy this temple. Wrong line. (laughs) He's got it memorized. I said that earlier, but I'll say it again. Thank you. (laughs) Take these things out of here. Make my father's house not a marketplace. Jesus has a good point. What do you mean? What's wrong with making a profit? I need a dove for my sacrifice. Jesus' disciples remembered that it was written, Seal for your house will consume me. What sign can you show us for doing this? Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Prove it! This temple has been under construction for 46 years. And you're going to raise it up in three days? Show us. But Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) 
a minister dies and finds himself waiting in line at the pearly gates. Ahead of him is a guy who's dressed in sunglasses with a loud shirt, leather jacket, and jeans. St. Peter addresses him, Who are you, so that I may know whether or not to admit you into the kingdom of heaven? The guy replies, I'm Sean O'Reilly, a taxi driver from New York City. St. Peter consults his list. He smiles, says to the taxi driver, Take this silken robe and this golden staff and enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's the minister's turn. He stands erect and booms out, I am the Reverend Dr. Joseph Snow, pastor of First Church for the past 43 years. St. Peter looks at his list, says to the minister, Here, take this cotton robe and this wooden staff and enter the kingdom of heaven. Just a minute, says Reverend Snow. That man was a taxi driver. He got a silken robe and a golden staff. I was a minister, and all I got was a cotton robe and a wooden staff. How can this be? St. Peter smiled. Up here we work by results. While you preached, people slept. While he drove, people prayed. <laughs> Paraphrase the late comedian Rodney Dangerfield, we clergy get no respect. <laughs> clergy are supposed to be meek, mild, and gentle, just like me. I mean, just like Jesus. But this morning's scripture doesn't fit our image of a meek, mild, gentle Jesus, does it? Instead, Jesus comes storming into the temple in Jerusalem, driving at the cattle and the sheep and the doves being sold there, upsetting the tables and the money changers, crying, stop making my father's house a marketplace. He was very upset and angry. The scripture says he was consumed with zeal. Here is a good lesson to those of us who want to be his followers. Sometimes anger is appropriate. When is expressing your anger appropriate? How should you express that anger? Well, there are no hard and fast rules. It obviously depends on the situation, but let us suggest some guidelines. First of all, Jesus was angry about injustice. The money changers and those who were selling animals for sacrifice were cheating the worshipers entering the temple. This was not a United Methodist women's rummage sale where everything available was a bargain. Worshipers were not allowed to make offerings in the temple unless they used official temple currency. They were not allowed to offer animal sacrifices unless the animals had been certified by temple officials as unblemished. The dealers in the temple courtyard were charging exorbitant rates to the temple visitors and paying kickbacks to the temple officials to make sure that they maintained their monopoly. Jesus was objecting to these unfair business practices. 
He quoted scripture to them, saying, It is written, My father's house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Second, Jesus was in control. His expression of outrage in the temple was carefully measured and calculated to have the effect he desired. He knew all about the abuses involved in the selling of the sacrificial animals and among those who exchanged various forms of currency for temple coins. He came prepared to make a statement by his words and by his actions. Not long ago, there was a story in the news about a six-foot-four-inch, 280-pound man who was wandering the aisle of an aircraft at flight. He was muttering and cursing. He was angry about something. Nobody knew what. And the flight attendants could not persuade him to sit down. Then he ran for the door of the cockpit, broke it open, and attacked the pilot and the co-pilot in an attempt to take over the plane. But fortunately, two passengers who were scared and pretty angry themselves at this point ran up, rustled the man to the ground, and handcuffed him so the flight could be continued safely. There are appropriate and inappropriate times and places and appropriate and inappropriate ways to express your anger. And finally, when you express your anger, you need to be willing to accept the consequences. Jesus was willing to die for his convictions. Indeed, he challenged his opponents, if you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. The temple he was referring to was his body and the crucifixion and the resurrection that he knew was coming. We all get angry sometimes. Believe it or not, I have sometimes gotten angry at things that happen in church. Not this church. (laughs) And I'm sure that Jesus gets angry too at the mistakes we make, at the ways that we go astray from his will, at the times that we refuse to treat one another as beloved children of God. But no matter how far we go astray, no matter how angry Jesus may get, he never stops forgiving us. And he never stops loving us. Eric Ritz is one of my favorite preachers. He tells a story of a visitor who pulled into a parking space in the church parking lot only to be told by the man who drove in behind him, hey, that's my space. I always park there. You took my place. The visitor went into the narthex, and he picked up two bulletins and handed one to another person who just walked in. The usher walked up to him and said, excuse me, that's my job. You took my place. Then the visitor walked into the sanctuary as the service was about to start. He sat down in a a pew, 
But a woman came up to him and said, well, you can guess what she said, can't you? As the visitor stood up, the pastor began to pray. As he prayed, the visitor's appearance began to change. He had a robe on his back, a crown of thorns on his head, scars on his hands and feet. People from the congregation stared at him, and one cried out, What happened to you? The visitor replied, I took your place. We are to be the body of Christ. That's why we're here. Jesus died for each one of us, forgiving each one of us. We should be able to look at one another and see Christ. In every person you meet, in someone just like you or someone who is nothing like you, in someone who is always cheerful and happy or someone who's hard to put up with, and someone who cares about you or someone who hurts you, even in one who makes you angry, if you look hard enough, you can see Christ. Christ is here this day in our midst. He's sitting close to you. Love him as much as he loves you. Amen.